If you are visiting with us, uh, perhaps in person or online, or maybe you're a regular but you weren't here last week, uh, last week we began a summer series, and the summer series is an invitation by God, simply called Let's Talk. Uh, And it's that invitation whereby God invites each and every single one of us to simply talk with Him. Uh, You know, it's, it's a conversation. We're invited into this relationship with our Heavenly Father. And I think quite often some of us feel that prayer or communication with God is supposed to be this heavy thing or this big thing. Whereas the reality is God simply invites us to talk with Him to simply have a conversation, to share what's in our hearts, to share our struggles and our concerns. And as we've been sort of started last week and journey through the rest of summer, the, the invitation is modeled for us by Jesus Christ. And so the intention is to learn from the various prayers of Jesus what it looks like to simply talk with God. Last week we started with that, uh, that powerful reminder or that powerful uh, exhortation from Christ to cry out to God and to call God Abba, Father. And it's that kind of childlike faith, that childlike response to our Heavenly Father. We have this intimate term where we come to God who is our Abba, Father. And so we call on Him. This week kind of goes with last week's message in a sense, and it's a continuation of if we cry out to God, the next thing that Jesus models for us or that Jesus at least teaches us is that when we pray, we will be heard. When you pray, you will be heard. I heard it said that nobody is more surprised than a husband hearing about his wife's plans for the second time. Let me say that again. Okay, I don't need to say it again. You got it. No one is more surprised than a husband hearing about his wife's plans for the second time. I've been in that boat. I, too, am often surprised. But that humorous little comment kind of reminds us that no one likes talking to somebody when it's clear the person we're talking to is not listening to us. You know, whether it's a, a child trying to speak to their parents and their parent is sort of on a device or, or distracted with making a meal or something else. Or maybe it's a parent trying to talk to a child and the child is on a device or playing a game or something like that. And no one likes speaking to somebody when they're not listening. Many years ago, Cindy and I went to go and visit with Cindy's parents, uh, and I was sitting in the lounge, and, and Cindy's mom, so my mother-in-law, is sitting on the couch just across, and, and we're kind of chatting. Uh, but the problem was the television was on, sort of just, just in my vision, and there was quite an important cricket match on the go. Uh, and so while we were talking, there was one moment where I sort of glanced over and, and became pretty much instantly absorbed in what was happening. And a couple of minutes later, I sort of had this faint awareness that there was something happening here. And I kind of looked over, and and to my surprise, my mother-in-law was there talking to me. And she sort of went, Brian, did you hear anything I said? And of course, I had to admit that I had missed everything. And of course, you know, my mother-in-law wasn't thrilled. Thankfully, she still loves me. But nobody likes that. Nobody likes trying to speak with someone who is not listening to us. 
And so Jesus comes along and Jesus shows us that we never get that with our Heavenly Father. When we cry out, Abba, Father, when we come to God and we have that conversation with God, at no point does God simply ignore us and not listen to us. Our Heavenly Father always hears us. In fact, Jesus prays in John chapter 11, uh, just two quick verses in John chapter 11, verse 41 to 42. Jesus is praying, and as Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe you sent me. Of course, the context of that in John chapter 11 is Jesus is about to raise Lazarus from the dead. And so as he's praying and as he speaks, he doesn't simply command, he prays, but he uses it as a teachable moment. Not just that he's about to perform a miracle, not just that he's about to raise his friend from the dead, but he uses it to show the crowd around him that God listens, that his heavenly Father hears him. And when we read through Scripture, we kind of get a couple of verses that underline this fact, that our Heavenly Father hears us. In fact, in Psalm 91, uh, this is God responding to this individual in prayer. and, And God says, when he calls to me, that is when the person praying calls to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. In Jeremiah 33, verse 3, God says, Call to me and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and verse 14, again a well-known verse for all of us, that if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. But, and you knew there was a but coming at some point, but all of those verses and some of the other verses that we might look at in a moment, God hears us, but there seems to be some times where God doesn't necessarily listen to us. Now, I'll I'll explain the differentiation in a moment, but God hears us, but it seems like he doesn't listen to us. Quite often, somebody will ask me a question along those lines. Brian, why does it seem like when I pray, God does not answer my prayers? Why does it seem like God ignores my prayers? And of course, when they say that, what they mean is, why is my prayer not answered in the way I want it to be answered? I've prayed for X or Y, and I didn't get that, or that outcome didn't happen. Why did God ignore my prayer? Why didn't God listen to me and respond? Of course, James makes it clear in James chapter 4 that sometimes one of the reasons God doesn't seem to answer our prayers is because we pray with selfish motives. We pray with the wrong motive. We pray because we we just want it to bless ourselves or to get ourselves out of trouble or to help ourselves. Of course, uh, there are others, perhaps the prosperity gospel preachers and the word of faith movement types who might say, well, God doesn't answer your prayers because you lack faith. And I don't think the Bible supports that at all. 
I think sometimes there might be another reason why it seems like our prayers are ignored or why it seems like God doesn't hear our prayers. And it's found in James chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. It's not going to be up on the screen. Uh, it's just three short verses from James chapter 5. James says, Is any one of you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You know, when I, when I read those verses from James, there are two words that come to mind to me that if I want to pray with, with that sense of knowing God is hearing me, knowing God is listening to me, the two words that jump out are confession and righteousness. Confession and righteousness. Now, I need to make a quick comment. If I communicate poorly this morning, which there's always a distinct possibility of that happening, if I communicate poorly this morning, you might walk away from here going, God will only hear my prayer if I am perfect and sinless. You might walk out of here going, God won't listen to my prayers, God won't hear me unless I am perfect and sinless. Of course, that is clearly not the case. That is not true. That is not what I'm going to try and make uh, as a case today. Of course, what I am going to say might lean towards that. And it becomes part of the, the multiple facets of our journey with God to make sense of what it looks like to journey with God. I think the problem for us is, as humans is we like things simplified. You know, give us two options. It's either this or it's this. We struggle with nuance and we struggle with holding a whole bunch of things in tension. But this morning, as we go through and as we look at both confession and righteousness, I want to remind us that there is a definite biblical correlation between our confession and righteousness connected to God listening to our prayers or connected to God responding to our prayers. You see, the Bible clearly makes the case that sin can and does hinder our prayer. We read that in the Psalms and Proverbs. We read that in Isaiah. We read that in John chapter 9, verse 31, and in James 4, verse 3. Sin can and does create a barrier between God and those who are praying. But of course, we go, well, what about the opposite to that? And John chapter 9, verse 31 answers this in the, the account of the man born blind. And it attests to the truth that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone who is, is a worshiper of God and does God's will, God does listen to them. Of course, while that general truth applies to all worshipers, 
We can't miss the fact that that person healed, the man healed from his blindness in that immediate context, was in fact defending Jesus. Almost without knowing it, he was worshiping Jesus. He was saying more than he realized. And as a perfectly obedient worshiper, sorry, that is Jesus, the one who praised his father, Jesus knew that God listened to him. The Bible makes it clear that sometimes in the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, the apple of God's eye, as it were, even they occasionally God would turn his ear from them. God would willfully ignore them, as, as, as the case may be. Sometimes God doesn't hear his people, especially if they are corporately or individually guilty of willful and perpetual sin. In fact, those who find themselves in that place of, of willful disobedience and willful sin need to remember the words of Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15. Isaiah 1, verse 15 says, When you spread out your hands in prayer, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you, says the Lord. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen to you because your hands are full of blood. God's chosen people have not always been heard by their covenant God because of their rebellion. And even in their rebelliousness, they presume that God would still listen to them. But God says, no, I will not listen. But yet Jesus comes along. And Jesus teaches us that his father listens to him. Of course, we know that Jesus' hands are not filled with blood, as that verse in Isaiah says. And Jesus was an obedient worshiper of his heavenly Father. And so when James comes along in the verse we just read from James chapter 5, verse 16, when James speaks about the prayers of a righteous person having great power, James is not making an unconditional statement for all Christians. He's not making a guarantee for every single praying believers. In, yes, indeed, every single believer, every person who prays has access with confidence to the throne of grace. Yet James is talking about the efficacy of those prayers. Will those prayers be responded to? And the prayers are responded to for those who are pe peculiarly godly who walk in righteousness and faith. You know, those kind of people, and, and we meet them from time to time, it's those people who just seem to reflect the grace of God, who reflect this Christ-like character. And I'm always amazed at how those people who, who reflect that Christ-like character just pray so naturally and pray so fervently. Not all of us have that gift of being able to pray, but yet those who do, who understand obedience and who understand the, the call to the righteous prayer or the power of a, of a righteous person in prayer. And we understand that godliness empowers prayer. Godliness entails a Christ-centered pursuit of all that God requires from us and an avoidance of all that he forbids. You know, in, in that James passage, a little while later, if you go and read that on your own, you'll see James uh, references the godly Elijah. And he speaks about how Elijah prayed that the rain would cease. 
And in fact, it does, because it's in line with God's threats against his people in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And then the prophet prays again for rain to come based on God's promises of mercy. Of course, a righteous life entails much more than, than fervent prayer, but the two feed one another. Hey, godly life encourages prayer toward God. And our prayer and our fervency in prayer fosters godliness. And so if James can speak about Elijah as being such an example, how much more the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus lived on earth. Jesus walked on earth as a man of prayer, perfect in righteousness. He always prayed with success, if I could use that word. He prayed because he lifted his heart in faith and obedience to his heavenly Father. Think about how the Apostle John speaks to this. In 1 John chapter 3 and 21, John says, Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And that verse makes it clear that receiving from God and obedience towards God go hand in hand. You know, Sinclair Ferguson said this, This is why true prayer can never be divorced from real holiness. The prayer of faith can be made only by the righteous person whose life is being more and more aligned with the covenant grace and purpose of God. In the realm of prayer, just like in life, faith without works is dead. And so Jesus shows this. Jesus sets this example for us. And therefore, Jesus was heard by his Father. And so as he offers that stunning prayer as we read at the beginning, and he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. And he says that for the sake of those around him. Jesus had noted his confidence in God the chapter before, or sorry, a few verses before, when Jesus says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. How could Jesus be so confident that God would listen to him and that Lazarus was be, would be raised from the dead? Was it simply because of that resurrection power that he possessed that we would see later on in Scripture? You know, for the one who only did what the Father willed, who only did what he saw his Father doing, it, it's almost like such a use of divine power would seem presumptuous. But not so with Jesus. The Spirit directed Jesus in line with the will of his Father concerning what he taught and what he did. And that included the miracle that he would perform, raising Lazarus from the deed. And indeed, it was the manifested power of uh, the resurrection power that Christ possessed. But he didn't exercise it just of his own will. He exercised it in line with God's will, with his heavenly Father, as the two walked together as one. So Jesus, in faith and with great confidence, asks the Father for the life of Lazarus. Now, where would such assurance come from? I think for many of us, we kind of go, well, it's because Jesus was God. And we forget that in that moment, Jesus was fully man. Yes, indeed, fully God at the same time, and, and our minds kind of exploded. How do we make sense of that? 
But we know that Jesus was man. And this is where James 5 verse 16 rings true. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it works. Jesus asked and received because he asked with faith and no invisible barrier, no sin between him and his heavenly father. There was no sin giving his heavenly father grounds to turn a deaf ear to that prayer. He walked in holiness and his father listened to him. And so even before that result came, the, the Lord amazingly expresses gratitude because Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He hadn't yet asked Lazarus to come forth, but already he was saying, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. So how do we make sense of this? Brian, are you telling me that God hears my prayers? Or are you telling me that God doesn't hear my prayers? Yes. Our Heavenly Father never turns us away. Our Heavenly Father invites us into that place of prayer. Our Heavenly Father always invites us to talk with Him. But our Heavenly Father reminds us that He wants no sin, no barrier, no blockage between Him and us. And if I choose to go off and continue to be involved in willful, habitual, perpetual sin, violating the commands of God, I cannot dare be presumptuous enough to think, well, now God will hear my prayers and He will do what I ask. No. And therefore, confession and righteousness go hand in hand. And I need to learn to come before my Heavenly Father and I need to learn to confess. In this life, as we walk in flesh, we will always wrestle with sin. We will always struggle with that battle of not giving in to temptation, yet sometimes stumbling and giving into temptation. And sometimes it seems to just come so easily. And so God knows that. God knows our struggle and our weaknesses. And if it was based just on our struggles and weaknesses, our Heavenly Father would never listen to us. But thanks be to God, because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we receive righteousness, not of our own, but of His. We receive justification, and we are made holy. And so as soon as those events come, as soon as I find myself stumbling, it's in that moment I stop. And I go, God, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. And I love the fact that James doesn't only talk about confessing to God. James talks about confess to one another. This is why it's so important to share our struggles with somebody we trust and someone who loves us, who can walk with us, who can hold us accountable who can ask those difficult questions of us. Because as I confess more and more freely, so I'm able to walk in righteousness more and more. And then when I pray, I can pray with assurance, knowing my Heavenly Father hears me and He listens to me. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank You for that powerful prayer 
just as you were raising your friend Lazarus from the dead. Thank you, Jesus, that you chose to pray and to acknowledge that God heard you and that your heavenly Father always heard you. And we are encouraged and reminded that when we pray, when we come to you, you hear us. And God, I know that there are times when, when we stumble and we fall. And Satan tries to accuse us. And Satan tries to drive a wedge between us and tries to say, don't even pray, don't even speak to your heavenly Father. Look at you, you're a sinner. Holy Spirit, I pray in those times and in those moments you would remind us of the work of our Savior on the cross. And because of faith in you, we find forgiveness. Father, in those times, in those seasons, in those moments where we might struggle with willful or ongoing or habitual sin, I pray that you would remind us of the power of confession, of coming to you and confessing our sin, so that there might be no barrier between us. And in that place, where there is no longer barrier, where there is only relationship, Thank you that you hear us. God, I know there might be one or two. There might be some of us who, who might think that, well, I've been praying for something and God's not moving and God's not seeming to answer in the way I want Him to. Maybe it's my sin. Lord, I pray that there wouldn't be guilt and condemnation. Lord, if there be sin, that you would open their eyes. So they would be able to deal with that. But Lord, if not, if perhaps in your sovereign will and in your infinitely perfect plan, the answer isn't going to be in the way we want it, I pray that you would reveal that to us. And that we would learn to pray according to your will. Jesus, I know that we learn to pray according to your will when we talk with you. And perhaps, God, this is why you simply invite us and you say, let's talk. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.